Hello and welcome to Fox Nord Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, I got the juice steel. Ooh, intriguing. <laughs> and I'm Jade. Is there such a thing as playing in too many D&D games? That no. is. No, that is. the children are wrong. <laughs> Rose. <laughs> How many are you in now? Um, just D&D games? Uh, no, every, say everything. Mm, I don't know if I want to admit to that publicly. <laughs> How many are sort of, uh, like, active? Uh, of the active games, and um, one is about to start, within Natural Ruckus, there are, which is the games that I stream. Yeah. Uh, as of the beginning of next month, there will be three within Natural Ruckus, one weekly, two fortnightly. I have my weekly Thursday night game that I've been in with that group for like two years. Mm. And then I've got uh, the There Will Be Consequences group that we're currently sort of struggling to get back off hiatus due to scheduling issues. And then there is Follow the Leader, which sort of dips in and out as and when we record or do live streams. Mm. Look, I still have two evenings during the week free and weekends so quite <laughs> frankly i don't feel like anyone has any right to judge me no i'm just i, I i'm it is impressive i've um that's one word that's a polite way of describing it. thank you hamish <laughs> i've mentioned the uh monster of the week game i'm running um which is still going well but we did uh cancel the last session um although everyone came but uh, someone arrived a bit too late. So uh, we just yeah. hung out and chilled and it was just as nice. Yeah. Um, but the game I'm running is uh, the current arc is set at Christmas. I so saw I, you tweeting about it. Yeah, I um, managed. It's the one time. Of, well, it's not the one time. I'm actually a bit pro bring Christmas as early as possible because I love mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. I was able to pick up crackers and uh, mince pies already. <gasps> September. Yes. <laughs> Setting um, the mood. Which I wanted to bring out in the story because everyone's very excited in this game to get to a Christmas party I've mentioned. Ooh. And they really just want to dispatch the monster as quickly as possible. Sure. Um, which sure. is very much Priorities. Brand for, <laughs> it's the kind of groups I like to be in. Yeah. Um, I suppose we should say hello to our listeners. Um, hi, listeners. Uh, apologies for the, the slight delay. Hamish is a very busy human. I assume, uh, yeah. um, but scheduling is what it is. But we knew we wanted to to get uh, something out for you guys because we have another thing coming up soon. And yes, we miss you guys. We miss talking to each other. <laughs> Apologies for the week off, but we are here now to talk about things. We have opinions as always. <laughs> yeah, there's been quite a lot of uh, debate about some things lately. Um, I think a lot of the topics have cooled off a little bit, but I think. You must be dying for our perspective, but I think first we'll talk about things that have made us happy. Yes. Um, with a little catch-up geek out. What That's have you what been? What have you been consuming? Um, okay, let's start with something just uh, to go with our lukewarm takes on things that have already cooled down later. <laughs> I finally, I can't remember if I mentioned this the last time we spoke. I think I might have done, but if so, I apologise. I'm going to talk about it again because I'm still having emotions about The Iron Giant, despite the fact that that film came out 19 years ago. <laughs> We're all still having uh, emotions about The Iron Giant. <laughs> yeah, my understanding is that you never really stop having emotions about The Iron Giant. Mm. Um, I think because I wound up seeing it referenced, so it came back into my my head again. 
but I yeah. think I've been thinking about it a lot from like a storytelling perspective mm. and just how it's such a simple story with such a, a simple, I don't want to say moral, morality to it, but it executes what it's doing so well. And, mm. and it's not to say there isn't impressive things in it and it doesn't try to do big things because it does and it does them well. But I feel it's like as somebody who wants to tell stories, albeit in a different medium, um, I've just found it very inspiring to think about. So I think that's why it's just been been turning in my head so much. And my brain keeps coming back to it and as well as just making me cry. <laughs> mm. I uh, I had to grow up a little bit to appreciate it properly because mm. um, The Iron Man, the book it's based on, yeah, uh, was one of the first books I properly read myself. And as a kind of kaiju nut, I was always a bit upset that they removed um, kind of the second half of the book where the... <laughs> Iron Giant fights a space dragon. <laughs> I do not remember that part of the Iron Man. I need to reread that book. It's like really significant, and it's 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 actually really well uh, written. It's it's a very different book. It's barely connected, but um, it's it's described as a space bat angel dragon, and they <gasps> go into a lot of detail, like it being seen coming to Earth for several weeks. It's so big that they can Ooh. just like see it in the distance and that really terrified me um but that wouldn't fit in that film at all and it took me like getting over that uh to realize how much of a good film it is seriously though i think it just says the kind of mental you described space bat angel dragon i'm like oh, wife which is like no come <laughs> on <laughs> uh, just like um, wife goals <laughs> yeah godzilla king of the monsters next year is gonna be uh very hard. I'm just gonna be saying like queen every every second. Um, uh, speaking anyway. of a queen, there yes. you go. There's a Sedway. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I went to see Janelle Monae live. Um, this was my fifth time. Uh, I feel a lot of people have their like artist I'll see every single time they can. Hmm. Um, and I've seen her the first time I saw her she was the support act for Vampire Weekend and then I saw her at Glastonbury and then I saw her on every like album tour Hmm. Um, and she's amazing and I loved like I took a couple of people who uh, because I just bought a bunch of tickets and I just took a couple of people that hadn't seen her live and it's always a fun thing to share because um, even though this is like a very new era there's certain mm. things she does every time. She always plays the first four or five tracks from the album in a row without any breaks at the start. And I think she writes her albums that like with that in mind because they kind of summarize the themes and the sort of tone of the whole thing. Um, and she played a lot of like classic stuff as well. And she did like a small Prince tribute where the whole room turned purple. <gasps> um, yes. Tessa was there. Uh, she didn't. She was like in the private box thing, but during um, uh, the pink segment, they played some of the music video behind, and when Tessa's face came on screen, everyone cheered, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, just like this was the first time seeing her since she'd come out, and 
really embrace sort of queerness as part of um, her image mm-hmm. in a way that like overtly. And um, that was nice. It was like a slightly different crowd, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, for me, obviously, I, I, I didn't uh, go, but a lot of people seemingly on my Twitter timeline were going and I was just in awe of all of the outfits and makeup that people <laughs> had put on to go see her. And I was just like, it felt like such an event, like, cause people go to gigs all the time, but this for me is my casual observer going, Oh, I bet that's amazing. And I bet that's a wonderful show seeing everyone. Yeah. I mean, some people mm. turned up in tuxedos. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to be at a gig in a tuxedo. But uh, yes, awesome, amazing. I've always responded a lot to artists, like musical artists that have um, such a strong link with the visuals. Mm. Um, Like I kind of discovered music through David Bowie music videos. And so, yeah, like I I mostly discover uh, music through like interesting videos and interesting design and stuff like that and um i i have a sort of problem where i just can't really i can't really hear lyrics <laughs> mm-hmm. i i i can listen to lyrics but i can't like take them in and understand them at the same time as like listening to a song i have to like read them afterwards yeah um so yeah i i've always loved like i remember the moment i fell in love with her my brother sent me the tightrope video and there's just this like one look she does at the start she it's like one of the classic janelle looks with like wide eyes look of like surprise and mystery mm. and as soon as she did that i was just like ah oh, my 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 beautiful mum <laughs> <laughs> my my mum my wife my daughter my child my everything um so that was just really fun and like i don't see many uh bands live i used to a lot uh, but mm. I'm like happy to just wait for the few bands I like to just come around again. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was very good. I, I I can't really say anything about the night. There was lots of like extended bits of songs. The reason I said I got the juices, she um, uh, that's a lyric in one of the songs. But like she brought up people on stage and got them like one by one, like built them up and then they like did a solo dance like really like aggressively and then she like mm-hmm. told them you got the juice and and like another moment is um <laughs> she basically went around pointing at people in the audience and going like that cool hat i like that shit that great hair i like that shit and basically me and a few of my friends have just got into the habit of complimenting something about each other and just saying i like that shit um, I don't That's know. It was just a lot good. of like, I was not self love, like aggressive love for everyone. <laughs> I like I that. I like That's that. I think I like the world needs more of that. I do like that mm. shit. Um, I'm actually off to a gig uh, next weekend or this weekend, depending on this, on, on Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. I was listening to a Spotify playlist at work. Uh, just hits from the musicals and a couple of songs on there I had never heard before and I was like what is this and I looked it up looks up the name of the musical and it's called six the musical like mm-hmm. the, the number six but written out so s-i-x I'm like huh and I'm listening to the lyrics I'm like 
Is this about Anne Boleyn? <laughs> the fuck am I listening to? Googled it. This is a show called Six the Musical that re-envisions the six wives of Henry VIII as pop princesses. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was a big hit at Edinburgh Fringe earlier this year, and it's currently doing a stay at the London Arts Theatre. They just extended the run there for three weeks. And I listened to another one of the songs, which is the, I think, the closing number for the show, and I was like, this is both cheesy as fuck and I need it instantly. Mm. So I messaged my friends, Catherine and Stephanie, who are sort of my go-to going to the theatre people. Yeah. And I was just like, so hey, we haven't done a theatre trip this year. How do you guys feel about going to see this show that's kind of like about the Tudor wife, uh, Henry VIII's wives, but like pop? And they're like, mm. this looks bizarre. I am into <laughs> it. And we were just it like... Sounds over- like an- Mm-hmm. Well, it just sounds like an anime. But over the course of like 20 minutes, we went from going, this sounds fun, to we booked the tickets, we're going. Mm. <laughs> so it's basically, it's more of a concert than a musical. It's just like the musical numbers. But uh, have a look on their website. And I tell you what, I will drop, um, or I'll ask Hamish to drop a link to the opening number from the show in the description for this episode. Yeah. Because it's mm. off. You did not know that you needed a techno pop remix of green sleeves in an opening number for a show but let me tell you you will not go back you will not go back do other do we have sort of like themed outfits um like... the outfits all look just very extra they're sort of like clearly riffing on a lot of the tudor and renaissance kind of art with the sh- with a lot of the silhouettes but they're also like spiked platform heels because mm. this is it feels very, I mean, I was big into the Spice Girls for years and like it's got a lot of that kind of feel. And the six the six uh, performers, the six wives, all have a very sort of distinct vocal style. And yes, I am just ludicrously excited. And it, a lot of it's like, some of it sounds like very Lily Allen mm. or Kate Nash. And it's very sort of modern sensibilities with some of the lyrics. And it's just very fun and very strange. And I am super excited to be going to see it so uh i think the last thing i saw was hamilton actually so this is a very Mm. different kind of a vibe but also (laughs) historical meets modern music so you know we'll see how it goes but uh i'm super excited for it and i will uh be talking about it more i'm sure that sounds really cool i i've also noticed that this is our last episode before um uh Doctor Who starts again. It is, so yes. We'll definitely have lots of things to talk about next time. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, last weekend I went to Thought Bubble, and I haven't got much to say about this. <laughs> I just went. Thank you all for coming. Um, I was on a panel about uh, all ages comics. All right. Um, which was fun. Um. I got to also on the panel was Carrie Peach from uh, the Adventure Zone graphic novel, so got to talk to her quite a bit, which was nice. Um, and I had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I was going to uh, I was going to say. I, I'll talk about um, something else then. I I started watching Hilda on Netflix. Um, I was at Thought Bubble next to the No Brow table, so I heard a lot about it before I got to actually watch an episode because it is an adaptation of probably No Brow's most successful series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a little blue-haired 
child um, who lives in a sort of moominess scandinavian like wilderness mm-hmm. um lots of trolls and folklore and um it's a really cute show uh i'm not i'm not really friends per se with uh the creator but it's he's part of like the indie comics scene i've played mario kart with him blah 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 and so it's just really nice seeing sort of success come from mm. that little world like he's sure. tabled at things before um i know his uh partner a bit better mm. uh philippa rice or known on the Spla- splatoon battlefield as killer rice um <laughs> excellent excellent <laughs> she's really funny um and yeah so hilda's really really sweet and i think one of the things i really like about it is uh the two lead characters are hilda and her mum Mm. And her mum is not the sort of enemy of fun. And she's very much like involved in the stories. She doesn't just stand there with her hands on her hips saying, Hilda. Yeah. Um, it's a very sweet story about their relationship. And Hilda's sort of struggle to make friends because she's the sort of story of the series is they've moved to the city and she's much more used to talking to trolls than people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's not like laugh out loud funny or it, it's very much aimed at little children sure. but um if you have any or know any i think it's a very delightful show and it really like brings back a lot of uh moominy type yeah feelings and good voice actors as well oh, lovely uh, i also uh binged a netflix series that recently that has been getting a lot of attention which is the dragon prince Yes. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm really in a position to comment on the animation style because (laughs) even as a layman, I can look at it and go, yeah, no, I can kind of see why people have beef with this. And I remember watching the show and going, that looks cool, but I don't quite gel with how this looks. Once Mm. it got into stories, I found the animation style less, I suppose, distracting. Yeah. But I am a big fan. I mean, it's not the most complicated of shows, but it isn't designed for somebody who's like watched a lot of. <laughs> it's designed for children first and foremost. Mm. So I've seen a lot of people going, "Oh, it's so predictable and easy to see where the story is going." And I'm like, "It's not aimed at you." Yeah. With all of your years of watching stuff and knowledge of tropes and narrative. What I liked about it was that when I went to visit my sister the other day, my niece bounced into the room. She's like, Jade, have you been watching The Dragon Prince? And I'm like, yes, it's so good, isn't it? She's like, I'm on episode six. And I'm like, well, I finished it all. And she's like, (laughs) And I got to have a conversation with her about it, which is one of my favourite things. But, I mean, being the tabletop RPG person I am, it feels beautifully like a beginning campaign for a and d party. You got a little baby beastmaster ranger, you've got a little wizard, and you've got a rogue assassin. And it's like, mm. this is the good shit. It looks, mm-hmm. from so, what I've seen, it it looked like it um, brought back a lot of uh, Merlin feelings. Yeah, the design of Callum is very <laughs> sort of like, hmm, I know that I've been accustomed you. to your face. But yes, um... I really enjoy the characters. There's a couple of very excellent dads in it, to be fair. <laughs> uh, there's a couple. The 
it takes a lot of tropes you think you know, like the stepson to the king and um, an older brother and a much younger brother and bickering siblings. And it takes them and it does something interesting with these uh, archetypes that you think you know or that maybe we do know. So for those of us who might be able to see where the story is going from a mile off, there's new and exciting things for us to enjoy. The voice acting is all very good. I've enjoyed it immensely. There's this wonderful character, and I can never remember her name because I am genuinely off with it. I think it's um, General Amaya, who is deaf and speaks with ASL. And she has her interpreter, Gren. And she's just this badass lady with a scar who comes in and everyone probably declared, that's my wife. And, you know, <laughs> insert John Mulaney cap of that's my wife. But it's it's very good. And while there's certain things in there that maybe, oh, like, okay, there is a dead mum backstory, but Disney's been doing that forever and we never give mm. them any shit for still doing it. But it's an interesting story about, these children trying to come together to overcome or to help stop a war that's like ravaged both of their kingdoms for mm. for generations and it's them trying to help broker peace and it's just like what a great fucking story to have happening now with all the bullshit going on mm. just like because it, about children making that choice and it's it's lovely oh that's that sounds good i'm uh I gotta get Dead Endia two, the book done by March. So mm -hmm. my life is now gonna go back to binging Netflix, like mm -hmm. <laughs> as I try and scramble to get this done. Yeah. Um, so it takes a couple of episodes to get, arguably, get going. Uh, but it's done. It's got sort of a very similar feel to uh, the Last Airbender cartoon, and like it's yeah, done it's into books made... and stuff like that. So it's very easy to follow. And uh, so while the story takes a little while to get the ball rolling, once you're in, you're in. I mean, it's made by the same people, isn't it? I believe so. Um, and like I always found in series one of Airbender, the the animation, like the frame rate's incredibly janky and like. I think there's just a little bit of that going. They probably have to earn the, <laughs> the budget, I suppose. But yeah, it looks really cool. And also it reminds me that um, you don't always have to have the most extremely original plot ever. Yeah. And like, it's okay to tell a similar story again and like the hero's journey is there for a reason. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, it's just filling that story with good characters. Yes. Um, slightly unrelated, but I, on Netflix, I watched, I think, quite an old, um, documentary about He-Man called The Power of Grayskull. Mm -hmm. And if you've, uh, watched The Toys That Made Us, um, as a He-Man episode, and a lot of it is a kind of repeat of that, but the reason I'm mentioning it is because it goes quite deep into the production of the He-Man movie, uh, that came out in the 80s, which is a kind of cult classic is sort of generous it's pretty <laughs> bad uh but the thing that i think the movie is always worth watching for is uh frank langella as skeletor <sighs> and what i loved about this he-man documentary is they interview him mm. and he has so much reverence for that character and that role yeah. And you can tell it's like one of his favorite roles he's ever done. He never thought when he was, I think he was like 
50 something when he played Skeletor and he was like, when am I going to play? Like he he said yes when he saw a drawing of Skeletor, which was this muscle bound <laughs> guy with a skull for a head. And he said, and he like, I got into the best shape of my life. I wanted to show off all my muscles. I was so ready. And then they put me in a big cloak the whole time. Um, and he just, he like rewrote all of his dialogue because it wasn't good enough. So he like quotes Shakespeare in the film and it, it like, Brad. He-Man is played by Dolph Lundgren. He-Man is played by Dolph Lundgren in his second or third film. Mm-hmm. First time ever being a lead. And he isn't the greatest actor and possibly would admit that. Um, and like, but Frank is giving it his all. And like, he in the film, he has like a skull on top of his face. It's not quite... He's not a skull. Yeah. But it's kind of creepy in its own way. And you can see his little eyes and teeth. And there's so many great lines like, As you die, so shall I be reborn. All said with like proper moustache twirling um, villainry. There's one bit when he says like, Tell me of the loneliness of good. How does it compare to the loneliness of evil? (laughs) I love it. um, If you like scenery chewing villains it's a good film to watch and i don't know it's just like it was nice seeing an actor not be you know he's done proper films in big quotation marks mm-hmm. um and it's just nice seeing actors who like i always think about um ian mckellen and patrick stewart playing charles and xavier Ch- charles and magneto yeah and how they are you know Shakespearean actors, they have, they they love the stage and they love the art of theatre, mm. but they have a whale of a time playing comic book villains, mm-hmm. and they don't treat it as less worthy just because everyone's in funny costumes. Mm. They get to the core of the characters, yeah, and I don't know. It just made me think about it. I just enjoyed it. I watched it last night. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, before we, uh, we get on to some more topical conversations, TMTM, I want to give a shout out to the two FTL, uh, follow the leader live, not faster than light travel, sadly <laughs> for me, uh, live streams that I've been part of since our last recording. I mar- I mentioned, I mentioned playing random access history last time uh, we recorded an episode. Uh, since then, I've had the joy of playing Starcrossed by Alex Roberts, which is where you get to play two people who want to be together but can't for whatever reason. And the system is designed uh, to use a Jenga tower. Sorry, a tower of blocks that can fall because mm-hmm. copyright is what it is. But I was playing remotely, so we used... Um, a mechanic using a d20 and uh, you roll it instead of making a pull from the tower and if you get five hits on the same number the tower falls and it was i tell you what you'd think maybe i i've played tabletop games for a while i have never been so stressed out about rolling a d20 in my life and i've done death saving throws so the system <laughs> worked super well um, but that game is fantastic. You can you can buy it now. I think through like drive through RPG, and I really do recommend it. The game is beautifully designed. The art is adorable. Mm. Uh, do check it out. 
because it's only two players and it's a really fun way to spend a few hours. And yesterday I played uh, a game called Divine Mundane, which is a hack of firebrands by D. Vincent Baker. And uh, in it you play gods or mortal heroes. And we were actually sort of creating a prequel story to the currently airing mini arc on follow the leader uh, our game our sunderland game and we were doing sort of a prequel to the great calamity that that became the setting for our sunderland episodes and i got to play a god called afiel and it was very gay and very fraught <laughs> and it's a, as is apparently my staple on follow the leader very fucky so and you know what as brands to have i'm proud of it <laughs> but uh it's just i love playing role-playing games I adore them. And mm. I actually cried yesterday for the first time, which is, I think, the first time I've cried playing a role-play game. Mm. And, yeah, if people want to listen or slash watch those, if you go over to twitch.tv forward slash harpydora, uh, all of uh, all those games are all there to be watched, as well as a bunch of other games that I didn't get to play in, but you should check out anyway, like The King is Dead and This Town is Full of Monsters some fun indie GMless games that are really great to play and I hope people like get something out of watching them because we sure as heck get something out of playing them. At the start when I, I was sort of teasing a little bit about how many games you're in but it actually I'm, I'm very genuinely mean that it makes me so happy that you've been able to play it so much and discovered something that you really really connect to and you mm. do it as much as you can. Um, I just think about when we started this podcast, like you talked about how you hadn't played any in a long time. You'd sort of done two D&D sessions and things like that. And mm. I don't know, it's just, it's nice that you took to it so much. Yes, it is. As, as niche as to have, being that weirdo with the hair that plays a lot of tabletop RPGs, I can live <laughs> with that, quite frankly. It's a, it's a niche I am happy to have. Cool. Should we take a little break? Let's take a little break. It's the middle section of the show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I was thinking how it's the middle section of the show. You say that in order to inform me that it's time to do the middle section of the show, but it's... Uh... <laughs> It's become a little catchphrase. It's very nice. Um, I like it. I I enjoy it. Yes, we'd obviously like to thank everyone listening. Um, I have quite a few busy weekends this month, so I do really want to get an episode out so we can talk about Jodie Whittaker and we can talk about the play you saw and lots of other things, but please bear with us if there's a few more delays. Con season ends this month for me and then I'm good. Yeah. If we can, we'll try get um, an episode out in two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we get the, the time, when um, Hamish and I are both going to be at MCM London at the end of October. Yep. I will be there with the jar, <laughs> a problematic, um, <laughs> filled with goodies and who knows what else. But um, maybe if we get the time over the course of that weekend, we'll try record an in-person episode, which we haven't had a chance to do in a while. Yeah, so. I mean, actually, I can't believe it's been a year since our Trick or Treat episode. Dang. We, should, we could maybe do something like that, where you send in funny questions and we eat candy and be 
stupid. <laughs> yes, agreed. We're going to do that. We'll set up a specific post for that. It'll be good. Um, we'd also like to thank Beastly Beverages, also at Comic Con, uh, so you can have a little box not included theme. I don't know. Hell yes, Walk make your con. The con. Exactly. Uh, if you if you haven't heard by now, uh, Beastly Beverages are a purveyor of fandom and fantasy luxury hand blended loose leaf tea and tea related geeky paraphernalia the business is queer owned all ingredients are organic and fairly traded and almost all of the products are suitable for vegans is there anything you are hoping to pick up at comic con from beastly beverages i really want to pick up a little another strainer with one of the cute little my little Uh, hero academia charms because i don't have any yet that's true you've become a become (laughs) one of them i uh went to one of them one of them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I really no. want to watch it. I just don't. I just like you I said. You have a Crunchyroll subscription. I know. I'll watch Ultraman though. I I True. absolutely am ready to watch. But like I said, I've not. I've been now that I'm actually drawing something is when I actually watch things. So yeah, I'll get to it. it. Put, yeah, put the dub on and uh, have it on in the background. Um, if you like the sound of Beastly Beverages, you can check them out at beastlybeverages.com. They also have a Patreon, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have a new sponsor code, which uh, I think is a pretty good one. It gets you yeah. 10% on your order. Off your order, not on your order. <laughs> that would be a weird offer. <laughs> um, and the sponsor code is problematic. All one word, no capital letters, P-R-O-B-L-E-M-A-T-I-C. I I said that in the weirdest way imaginable, but it's the word problematic, Um, and you can use that. Yes, and BBC Beverages does ship all around the world. (laughs) I also said that, very strange. (laughs) Yeah, this is what happens when we uh, haven't recorded for a little while. Everything goes weird. Um, we also want to give a shout out to a couple of podcasts. Dungeons and Queers is an all trans, all queer, actual play D&D 5th edition podcast that can be found on iTunes or Google Play or most other podcasting apps. These players focus on diverse characterization and good representation, specifically focusing on diverse genders, orientations, races and disabilities. It's deaf accessible with transcripts for the episodes available. And now is the perfect time to hop on. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when I drink a fizzy drink. If you love Friends at the Table Adventure Zone but just need even more queerness in your content, it's the podcast for you. Download it and make sure you don't miss out on Undead Hordes, High Adventure and Larry the Cable God. And I just saw, either today or yesterday, they're currently looking for a couple of players for their Patreon exclusive campaign. So if you are trans and, qu- trans and or queer and are a big fan of Kingdom Hearts... They're going to be doing a Kingdom Hearts Powered by the Apocalypse game. So get in touch uh, with them. I believe they're DNQ cast on Twitter. Nice. Um, we'd also like to shout out to Polyam Radio. It's a show all about relationships, love, and polyamory. It's about queer love, that creepy uppy kind of love, that kind of love that enriches our lives and makes us do stupid things. It's about relationships that work and habits that don't and things we wish we didn't do to our... I do this every time. That's fine. And things we wish we didn't do or our partners did. It's about queers and our experiences and acknowledging our mistakes and telling you how not to make them. It's available on iTunes and most other platforms. Uh, if you want a taster for that episode, we had the host of it on our polyamory episode as well. So you can go back and check that out in our archives. Yes. Um, I just saw the list of cons you're going to be at. Sheesh, when do you sleep? 
this has been my last weekend off for a little while. Uh, so, if you want to meet me and you live in the UK, here are where I'm going to be this month. Um, so, this upcoming weekend, the 6th of October, I am going to be at Bristol Comic and Zine Fair in Bristol. Pick up beef. <laughs> pick up beef, pick up all kinds of things. Um, I do actually have the next weekend off. That's that's my birthday weekend. And then <laughs> on the 20th of October, I'll be at Nottingham Comic Con. Um, pick up beef. <laughs> uh, and then the weekend after that, on the 26th, 27th, and 28th, I'll be at the London MCM Comic Con with Jade, with our problematic jar. Pick up beef. Uh also pick up Dead End Year and Pantheon because those are the things that actually are very heavy to take back home. <laughs> um, and then I'm done for the year and I've got to get on track of actually making some new books. Um, so, yes. Exciting. Check Exciting those out. Times. I'll be talking a lot about those things on Twitter if you're around those areas. But shall we get back to some discourse? Yes, we shall. Let's do it. So while we've been away from the microphone, (laughs) stuff has gone down. Do we want to take the one of the more issue heavy ones and then save the fun one as like the delicious filling in an otherwise crappy sandwich? Or do we want to save the fun thing as a palate cleanser for the end? I don't know which one of these you're referring to. I have no idea. That's true. Um, Okay, well, uh, we'll spin a wheel, but the things we're going to be talking about in this second half of the show, uh, but an Ernie, JK needing to just fucking stop, (laughs) and the Bowsette slash Peachette phenomenon, Um, as it were. Let's spin the wheel. I should have rolled a dice. I have so many dice nearby. <laughs> yeah. One second. Okay, I'm gonna roll a dice. All right. There's one of my D6s. There we go. Right. If it's a one or two, we start with Burton and Ernie. Three or four, it's JK. Five or six, it's Peachette. Five. We're starting with Bowser and Peachette. Something oh, good God. to start. Don't worry. We've got the no box vox pop as a palette cleanser for the end if it gets too heavy. Okay, so if you've ever if you've been on Twitter the last couple of weeks, um, you may have been confused by everyone just being very horny. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter people um, are either mad or horny. There is no in between. Let me give some backstory because it's it was already strange. Mm-hmm. Um, new Super Mario Brothers is coming to the Switch. You can play as Mario, Luigi, Toad, or Toadette. And when Toadette picks up a special item. Um, I just think called the crown or the magic crown. Mm. Um, you turn into Peachette, which Nintendo very casually went, you turn into Peachette. Anyway, moving on. And I was like, wait, what? What? Who is Peachette? What does this mean? What is the science behind this? Is Pe- <laughs> is is Toadette just a, a, like a smaller Peach? Is Peachette a completely different person? Does Peach know about Peachette? What happens to Peach when Peachette is born? Does she, like, feel it? Does she astral project? Does she just never find out? The important is there, questions. Are there crowns out for everyone? Is there, like, a Luigiette? Is there a Mariette? <laughs> I'm, I, it, it caused me lots of grief for a week. But mm. then it got in the hands of horny Twitter. And <laughs> it's... No one's talking about the science anymore. People are just having fun. So, spoilers for Mario Odyssey. Um, there's a scene in which uh, 
a kind of weird scene that makes me not like Mario very much, but Mario and Bowser are kind of like pleading for Peach's like affections. Mm-hmm. And she kind of goes, nah, and says no to both of them and flies away. And then someone did a comic where <laughs> that happens and then Mario picks up the magic crown and gives it to Bowser, who turns into Bowsette. And then he's happy because they're together and it's it's strange, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like whatever. It's not the and... strangest thing I've seen come out of any fandom, quite frankly. No. And, you know, I'm down for the Mauser, the Mauser, the Mauser ship. Yep. Anyway, so it's just a variation on that. And uh, for some reason, it caught on. And for a few days, everything on Twitter was just sexy Mario characters. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not part of the Nintendo fandom. Uh, that's not where I lurk. Uh, despite following a number of video game inclined people, I uh, I come I, I'm peripherally aware of a lot of things. Now I saw a heck of a lot of art, <laughs> much of it very sexy, um, and it's so often the case uh, with these things. I wound up with more of an opinion than I'm possibly entitled to, but I'm going to share that opinion because what's the point of having a podcast if I can't have my own opinion? Duh. Which is. I'm sorry, but if you're going to turn Bowser into a sexy peach hybrid, which one? I am all for. If you aren't making her a thick, chubby-as-fuck monster girl, what the fuck are you even doing? I am sorry. You can reskin Peach as you like and give her a sexy leather outfit and little sharp teeth. That's fine. But don't pretend you're not just providing something for your own personal pleasure. I'm sorry, but a big titties, tiny waist, vaguely sexified peach. Mm, no, give me monster girls. Okay, so I both agree. Mm-hmm. I agree in from a fan art perspective, and but my Mario canon brain is telling me. Yes. So Peachette yes. is literally just Peach with a dress that's somewhat Toadette themed. Yeah. So the question, and but the thing is, Toadette and Peach share a lot of like color scheme and stuff yes. so i don't know how much peachette takes from toadette or yeah. takes from peach and like a bowser should be called like bow like peach mm-hmm. okay okay <laughs> it's ta- it's a or combination beach. of pe- or beach <laughs> <laughs> and canonically would probably just be peach in like a black dress like not even monstified in the slightest but she also wouldn't be sexy She wouldn't, like, have, like, so that's the thing that really confuses me. I agree that I, the thing I've enjoyed seeing is just, like, princess-fied Mario characters and not taking, not caring too much about the logic behind it. Yeah. And as a big Mario fan, I've, like, seen my timeline just, like, so, like, Tiff, who I host the Poltercast with, did a really cute, um, like, boo princess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's like always really shy and then has like a scary vampire face. Yeah. Um I like the stuff that hasn't tried to be sexy a lot. Like yeah. there's some good design. I will say people are entitled to create whatever fan art they want. Like ignoring the certain caveats about like children and stuff like that. People should be able to create create what fan art they want. And you know what? It's fun. It's designed for you. I just don't want people saying like acting. I don't think you get to go on the high ground. If if you want to draw just like 
a very big titted peach. Have fun. Please don't tell me this is my this is my interpretation of this character. No, 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 no. You no. wanted to draw Peach with big boobies in a leather dress. That's fine, but please own what you are doing. I mean, gays have been drawing thirsty pictures of Bowser for years. Yeah, I was so... going to say it's nothing new to me. I'm just like, come on, let let let, let the let the ladies have a turn to have their thirst for Bowser. I have for Bowser. seen I have seen people saying that they don't like it because it's like sexualizing a children's thing and i'm i sort of like yeah but welcome to the internet like i was gonna i, I will say uh, to that uh waypoint radio actually talked about this recently um in light of one of the other things we're going to be talking about which um is about uh, uh we'll get onto it in a minute but my point is i think because nintendo one is enjoyed by people of all ages. It's not specifically aimed just at children, unlike the thing we're going to be one of the things we're going to be talking about later. But also, I think because Nin- and please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm <laughs> paraphrasing what I heard on this other podcast, which is like, like when people have asked Nintendo about, okay, so where did so and so came from? They sort of go, well, you don't know, or they're very nud. They kind of they leave a mm. lot of blank space. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, Nintendo characters get sexualized quite a lot. Like, the whole thing with Mario's nipples. <laughs> and the science behind working out the exact size of Luigi's dick. <laughs> like... But the, I think this comes from Nintendo being so mysterious. Exactly. I described, I mean, we're not going to talk about it, but I described Mario's nipples as a slippery slope that led to Batman's dick. Yeah, um, I saw that tweet. Another, yeah. another bit of news that... There's nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like we're only fascinated by putting Mario Kart characters through this thing because we know nothing about them. Like Toadette, for example, exists solely to give Toad a like doubles partner in tennis. Mm-hmm. And like she's... People have latched onto her and like her, but she is a sloppily designed mm. character who is just Toad with, Big you toes. know, gendered... Um, whatever i believe i think i saw somebody uh blaming ezra miller for this because he wore that <laughs> sexy toadette cosplay at comic-con <laughs> last year i mean like uh, what i'm just trying to say is that toadette is like so minor on the list of like yes. characters of mario that have any uh like mm. any impact on the story she's like barely in any of them and so casually just saying oh yeah she can transform into peach from Nintendo's perspective, it's just like, yeah, it's just a fun game mechanic. Whereas everyone else is like, but, but what does wh- this how? mean? Well, why? And so, the implications. This is why I think fandom does go crazy whenever Nintendo does anything. Because they don't... Like, a while back, uh, the creator, Shigeru Miyamoto, was asked, who is Bowser Jr.'s uh, mother? Mm. And he just, like, jokingly pointed at himself. Mm-hmm. And then there was just a whole crazy, like, did Shigeru Miyamoto fuck Bowser? <laughs> <laughs> and like at no point would nintendo think that's the le- leap would go but everyone's just like yeah desperate for any information so i don't know i i think obviously it would be terrible if like bowser and peach were very clearly like child characters people were sexualizing yes. but it's just stupid fun i think yes, and um i don't know it's definitely died down it was just a crazy couple of days yeah uh, let's go from a create from creators that 
provide no information or the tiniest <laughs> baffling amount of information and leave you to fucking wonder what the fuck. To a creator, we really wish would stop. Just stop. Stop saying things. Stop doing things. Just fucking I'm still Stop. unsure if you mean J.K. Rowling or Sesame I, Street. I'm still t- in this instance, <laughs> I'm talking about J.K. Rowling. Yeah. I, um, uh... Specifically, um, the reveal happened in the uh, full tr- final trailer for uh, Fantastic Beats, The Crimes of Grindelwald, or whatever it's called. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my feelings becoming very clear on the matter. Reveal the Nagini was in fact um, a witch, Um, specifically a witch played by a Korean actress and uh, suffering from, and this has been confirmed by JK on Twitter, suffering from maledictus, a blood disease passed from mother to daughter only. That Don't get me started on that particular... We will in a minute, I'm sure. That... Over the course of a life, um, the woman will, who can turn into a beast will will eventually not be able to be human anymore and will be a creature for the rest of her life. And, right, I'm yes, cool, another woman of colour. Fantastic. Oh, wait, no, this is going to be a woman of colour who becomes the pet of a Nazi. <laughs> who literally feeds on her essence in order to stay alive. Is anybody seeing the problem here? <laughs> like, and then gets her head chopped off by a character we all was a like. hero. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to do a microsecond devil's advocate moment of saying that there's elements of the idea that's kind of interesting if yes. the story was already, like, filled with people of color and mm-hmm. uh i don't know but there's like jake that's about as much as i can muster for a devil's advocacy yeah um you know people have been defending it saying that like it draws on like actual mythology of like blah blah and i'm like yeah but that doesn't excuse <laughs> that doesn't excuse it i i feel like well, A, I feel like J.K. Rowling is, like, trying... I feel like it's the producers. Like, they're trying desperately to make sure as few people see this film as possible. Feels that but way, the sad, But the sad thing is, it's still going to make a ton of money. And, like, mm-hmm. people don't care about this stuff as much as angry people on the internet seem to care. Yeah. Um. And I just feel like, aside from all of the representation issues, there's something that really bothers me about prequels. Mm. And J.K. Rowling is like totally George Lucasing herself. Yes. And it's basically how nothing can just be a thing. Like yes. Voldemort can't just have a snake. Mm-hmm. He's a creepy dude. He'd have a snake. Yeah. Every single thing has to have some kind of like origin story. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me about how if you if you spend any time on the Star Wars wiki, yeah. it's just hilarious. Like the Emperor's cane is forged from this like rocks underneath this planet of like sith energy oh, and geez. he is passed from it's like no he's just an old guy that has a walking stick yeah and like i just feel that where it's just yeah also uh, it's like obviously not a twist enough that you can't just like drop it casually in a trailer yeah the 
Um, I want to give a shout out to a really good article slash blog post written by, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Femme underscore Jamie on Twitter. Um, the article is called This Nagini Retcon or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Call J.K. Rowling on Her Bullshit. <laughs> uh, it's a fantastic, very well-researched uh, blog post. Again, um, I'll ping you the link, Hamish, so we can go in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Talking not only about um, the Nagini Retcon, but a lot of the issues J.K. and her attempts at representation after the fact ringers mm. hollow and bullshit again um a fantastic discussion was had on waypoint radio about that like given the time the the books were written and what jk was writing from just like stop trying to get credit because you actually make yourself look worse oh yeah i would totally respect jk rowling if she said yeah there wasn't very much representation in the first books i'm writing new ones and i'll put some more in it's mm. the way she goes about it like it was always there you just weren't looking like yeah. There's oh, Hermione a very... could totally be black. I never described her as being explicitly white. You were involved in the casting of her in the films, though, which like solidified her image of what people imagined and the illustrations and blah, 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 blah. It, it... And the thing is, that kind of like, I didn't describe her as anything. It's very like 90s, early noughties when she was writing these kind of thing. And mm. like, that's why I'm saying that it, it's okay to admit your mistakes. But the it, she doubles a, down on them. She doubles there's, down. There's a tweet that says like, um, "JK's like the uh, spins wheel sorting hat was spins wheel trans," mm-hmm. um, and like literally saying, "Oh yeah, Nagini was a an, woman, a of, woman of color," is like hilariously like exactly it what she does. Like, it sounded like a joke tweet, and then she's like, "Oh no, oh no, this is real." Um, well, shit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, there's an, there's elements I like, there's elements I hate much more, but I hate. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've also, briefly, while we're talking about Harry Potter, uh, I recently watched a video and I should, I think it's from Council of Geeks or Geek Council on YouTube, which is the heteronormativity of Harry Potter. Mm. And just talking about Um, and uses Harry Potter as its prime example, but just like from a sheer numbers point of view, why the the sheer absence of queer characters and Dumbledore not, um, and queer relationships within the Mm. text, how that becomes indicative of a wider problem. It's a very well thought out video that I do recommend watching, uh, done by somebody who identifies as genderqueer. So it was very cool. Uh, cool video. Yeah, and we've got friends who've like cosplayed Fantastic Beast stuff, and I know I I, I liked a lot of the characters in the first one. And yeah, my, I don't. Yeah, my feelings about Newt as a character are just like, okay, you, Eddie Redmayne did a good job. I'm not going to deny that, but there could have been so many interesting things if you'd chosen an actor of color. But that just mm. tip of the iceberg. I did not pay to see Fantastic Beasts somewhere to find them. They got none of my money going to see that. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, there's a good pop culture detective mm. video about Newt, and yes. I I have said this a couple of times, but of course, there's a little bit of a stir. As someone who watched all the films first before the books, I do <gasps> think 
I know. I do think Fantastic Beasts succeeds as a film in a way that a lot of the other ones don't. Yes. As someone who hadn't read the books, I went into all of the movies. There was a lot of... it's They're quite confusing. And they don't... They always assume that you've read the books and you know what's going on and blah, blah, blah. Um, and Fantastic Beasts, I do think... I was surprised to see a Harry Potter film that was kind of like, oh, it's like a solid film. I yes. know what's going on. Um I don't I didn't want these films to fail. It's it's like I know we were kind of ragging on them a lot, but it's not mm. that it's not that we decided to hate JK Rowling because she's a you know, slightly uh clueless white woman or something. It's Who like, likes tweets by turfs. Yeah. We we these films mean a lot to us. Or like this this, this franchise does. This franchise to a lot means of... so much to so many people. Um and JK taught a generation of children to stand up for what's right and like fight injustice and mm-hmm. you know it's it's very strange to just be constantly disappointed by something that uh yeah. used to hold very true um oh well. <sighs> yeah let's <laughs> let's talk about another piece of children's media um, and and round this out, I know uh, Hamish, you made some really well thought out and well articulated. <laughs> no, I mean that. that. I didn't want that to sound sarcastic. I apologise if it did. Um, and, no, on, no. and on Facebook as well. Uh, for a bit of context, and we'll talk about some of the, the fallout that's come through because I recently I saw a tweet by one of the, the connected creators, um, mm. which made me feel a little better about certain things. I think I saw that as well. Yeah. Uh, recently couple of weeks ago uh time frame bab uh, one of mm-hmm. the sesame street writers i've forgotten his name already i am terrible i should have made better <laughs> notes uh but in an interview um as part of that interview it wasn't the focus of it he talked about uh in his writing of burton ernie uh he was very inspired by his own relationship with his partner and I forget that there's a little bit more to it than that. And since that writer said that the uh, he was take his quotes were taken slightly out of context, but obviously, yeah, I mean, he mm, he said it was inspired by my own relationship I had with a guy. Mm-hmm. Every news article said Burton and he confirmed gay. as a gay cu- couple. Yeah, um, and on the heels of that, and the uh, the furore, it mostly positive. That was, it was. I only saw the positive stuff because that's the kind of content that I uh, aim for. Uh, on the heels of that, Sesame Workshop, who have since who since deleted the tweet in question, hmm. I wonder why, basically turned around and said uh, regarding uh, that the show is for pre is for preschoolers, and that Bert and Ernie were designed with the view of showing children that people who are very different can get along and be friends. And the very contentious part of the statement is that pup, uh, well, Muppets, uh, they are Burton Ernie and Muppets and Muppets or puppets, and they do not have a sexuality. And oh, on that. The, tum- the tumbleweeds went, and in the distance, you saw me with my, in the silhouetted by the sun with my grubby gay hands about to make a bunch of tweets. Yes, and and following this, there's a lot of quite correct discussion and calling out of 
Sesame Workshop for that. And what I'll say before we get into this, I do appreciate because I felt like some people were drawing false analogies. Mm. Sesame Street is not the same thing as the Muppets. Yes. The Muppets was aimed at families, but more adults, the original Muppet show. Mm. Sesame Street is aimed at preschoolers. So comparing yeah. Miss Piggy and her behaviour towards people like Lon John Silver in Muppets Treasure Island or <laughs> Gonzo's deep-seated love of chickens mm. is not the same thing. However, Absolutely. the problem, because and this is an, a, a, a phenomenon not unique to this comment from Sesame Workshop, is the notion that Queer sexuality is inherently sexual, ergo is a thing that shouldn't be seen by children. Mm. Therein lies the problem. And to say puppets don't have a sexuality or we don't show sexuality on children's TV, bullshit. If you have a child with a mum and a dad, you have shown sexuality. That's the thing. It's Whenever these discussions happen, there's a few things I have to like push through. One is that it's it's not about Bert and Ernie, and it's not about like you shipping them. Like it doesn't. It's mm, not about that's that. That's not what this is about. It's that it's very disturbing to me when they say no one has any sexuality, and they just see straight heteronormative kind of couples as invisible. They don't. They don't see because they don't see it because it's them. Yeah, they have a ground like as grandparents. And they don't see that that is representing heterosexuality. Um, it's kind of why, uh, particularly male male, um, sort of relationships in children's media are often parents. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked a bit about how in cartoons there's been quite a few, like I mean, quite a few. I mean, like a small mm. small handful yes. of uh, queer representation, and it's mostly two girls. Um, and when it is men, it is tends to be parents. And I think it's partly because women's sexuality is generally not taken very seriously and not, it, it's, mm. I think the, 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 you can't show two men together without being scared. You're going to start seeing bumming. Mm-hmm. Basically. I get this sort of a lot where yeah, working in children's media and trying to push for things, I I, I have often said, what if this character was gay? And they're like, cool, just don't show them having sex. I'm like, well, obviously. Yeah. Why would I? The, in, the um, innate homophobia of assuming yes. that sexuality, that queer sexuality is about, is about sex is... Mm. <sighs> like, you show, like, little boys and little girls holding hands all the time and just say, oh, what a cute little couple... That's mm. just children being children. And the thing is, yeah, not sometimes we don't, as people, we don't realise our sexuality until we're older, until things like sexual attraction become a factor. For some people, that is when they realise, oh, I'm queer. Mm. And that's fine. But some people know from a very young age, there are gay children. Yeah, I said that your puppets might not have orientations, but your audience does. Yes. And to not represent that is really baffling and the thing is because please well sesame street is a like this is different to the jk thing like sesame street is an amazing show in terms of mm. representation and they've done they've had it they have like an hiv positive puppet they mm-hmm. have puppets um 
but talk about race and mm -hmm. not not even in like uh, hugely metaphorical terms. Yeah. And like Sesame Street also repeatedly does sketches based on adult entertainment. There's like a True Blood sketch and mm. uh, that's designed to make the parents laugh. And the idea that, you know, you got a vampire Muppet, but you haven't got a gay one. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's irresponsible to do a children's show that tackles so many real aspects about the world and is there mm -hmm. for education. And to then say that none of these puppets have any sexuality when they obviously do. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if a, a follow-up statement came after the, the one that got so not uh, notably noted and rightfully vilified. If Sesame Workshop wanted to say, we will not publicly confirm Bert and Ernie as a gay couple because it will mean that certain people stop watching our show and we will lose some of our funding, they could have come out and said just like, uh, when we write Bert and Ernie, that isn't, our intention of portraying that we wanted to do the whole thing about like people who are very different can be friends and that's wonderful mm. but people should feel should be able to see the stories that resonate with them and that's a part of what sesame street is about because that is what sesame street is about about children being able to see themselves in these characters the fact yeah. that they turned around and then went no 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 you naughty people no 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 we don't do that here at sesame street just like fuck off that's the thing it's such a strange like business move to mm -hmm. deny to even comment on it yes they didn't have to um but um, yeah, I will say I know Frank Oz, who it was, who puppeted Bert, mm. um, was one of the people that came out and said uh, that was never his intention. And but to be to cre credit to Frank Oz, after that he made a tweet recently, a kind of apologising for that. Just said, for my position, if Jim and I, uh, speaking about Jim Henson, had had that intention in mind it would have been a gay relationship portrayed by two straight men which wouldn't have been okay but he and he thanked people for taking the time to educate him and apologized for having upset mm. people he said it would be inauthentic yes and um i appreciate that i i often i also do think that there's it's tough for us because we do a podcast about representation and good yes. and bad representation. Yeah. And I still, I think I said this in like the first or second episode and I still, after all this time, mostly I think some representation is like better, better than, than no. Mm -hmm. um, obviously that's different. I think there's, I think for gay, for gay men, it's better because I think we do have enough representation. Um, I do understand why it's worse for, certain less represented groups mm. um to have bad representation it can really like damage public perception yeah um i just yeah i don't know i i don't really care about bernani anymore like i think mm. i think it's in their prerogative to introduce some kind of sexuality discussion and i'm in sesame street yeah sure hell have somebody's parents be a gay couple Yes, that's that's how they roll on. That's how they roll on the street. Give. That's how they roll on the street. <laughs> Why did people let me have a microphone and talk about? Give Snuffleupagus a boyfriend. I love okay. Snuffleupagus. Okay, let's go to the No Box Box Pop uh, to round off this episode. 
Um, we have a question. All of these come from the Facebook group. We have a question from Matthew that says, Meltan, yay or nay? Do you know what Meltan is? Jane? I Googled it because I had <laughs> not a fucking clue. Uh, I'm going to... Okay, so I had a discussion with Mel Pisswitch Trender about this, who absolutely hates Meltan's design. Says, doesn't look like a Pokemon. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm Me- going to tell you a little story. I was going to say, Meltan so is some- a Pokemon for people that don't know. Yes, uh, this is this is the story. Okay. So, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu are two games coming out this Christmas. Uh, they're remakes of the first Pokemon games, but they have always said it will feature one exclusive new Pokemon. Most people assumed it would be something to do with Pikachu or Eevee or something like that. Um, and... Instead of reveal it in the game or in some kind of official way, it just started showing up in Pokemon Go. A lot of people thought this was a horrible glitch, and <laughs> uh, because that's never been Nintendo's way of revealing something. Um, and the day it dropped onto Pokemon Go, I was at Thought Bubble, and this is why I didn't have anything to say about Thought Bubble because this is my Thought Bubble story, but I was saving it for this question. Uh, I was sat at my table, had set up, Justin had gone to get something from a hotel room. I opened up Pokemon Go and I saw this little child. It is a blob of gr- like silver mercury with two, with a nut or bolt, whatever. I don't know which one it is. As a, a head. It's a nut. And a little um, cable as a tail. I thought it was adorable, but I'd never seen it before. And as someone who is like an obsessive Pokemon fan, Never seeing a Pokemon before and then seeing it in a game mm-hmm. is something I have not experienced since like I don't I don't think ever. Mm-hmm. They always reveal all the Pokemon before the game comes out. I've usually been spoiled or leaked. And so this was such an amazing experience. And I like ran from my table and I was running through Leeds and Justin I saw Justin across the street coming back from the hotel room and he looked saw me, panicked expression, walking across Leeds, staring at my phone. And he was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I just like showed him Pokemon Go and he like gave the biggest eye roll <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And I was running across Leeds oh, and I saw Lucian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say friend of the podcast, even though they've never been on, but someone we know from Comic-Con. Yeah, very, um, uh, an amazing dresser. Let's just say that. And huge um, Pokemon Go player. Like Yes. I saw him walking towards me with a phone and saying, and he said, hi, Hamish, how are you? And I said, I'm sorry, I can't talk. I'm looking for the boy. And he went, I am as well. And so we both ran around Leeds together looking for this shiny child. Um, and that's definitely like one of the best Pokemon experiences I had in my life. It felt so much like the playground where there was actual rumors mm-hmm. and like like mystery and... Um, I'm very yay because it gave me that experience and it's a bit of a weird design, but they've had weirder designs, so I'm good. I Googled it and I thought, oh, that's cute. It's cute. So I I can get why from a design perspective, people are like, what the fuck even is that? It looks like three things that have been kind of mashed together. But as somebody that was a big fan of the Raggy Dolls growing up, like Mm. I kind of like things that look like a little bit of a mishmash. So I'm here for this cute little blob of liquid metal with a bolt for a head. It's a uh, its description is that the the Pokemon itself is the silver bit, and mm. that it absorbs like technology it finds yeah. along the way. Because it's an evolution to... of Ditto, right? 
Well, we don't know any information about it. Oh, okay. So I don't, I don't think it is, but it could be. Who knows? Okay. Uh, next question is from Val, who com- reminded us delightfully, Halloween is coming. What are your plans <laughs> for getting in the spirit? Well, this episode comes out on the first of Halloween. Mm-hmm. This is um, Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 We Halloween, talked Halloween. about, unfortunately, the weekend before Halloween where a lot of people have their parties is, I'm at Comic-Con the whole thing, but I think we'll be still doing a kind of, we'll have a little Halloween party ourselves. Yeah. It's gonna be so, uh, we're going to be so sick. We're going to eat so much fucking <laughs> Halloween candy. Uh, do you have any other plans? Um, Actually, I, I've mentioned before on the podcast, I'm um, Natural Ruckus. I was talking about it earlier. It's the group that I play so much D&D with. And I think the week, either I think it'll be the week just after Halloween. I could uh-huh. be wrong. I need to confirm the day. Uh, we're going to be playing uh, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, oh, doing, nice. So I'm, I've never played it before. So I am excited to play that. So that I, I don't have any uh, Halloween plans per se, but I might get invited to a party. I don't know. But, yeah, I've got meh. I've got nothing got nothing proper. But I I'll do watch enjoy the Adams it. Family if I can find yeah. it. Yeah, I'll watch I'll watch I, some movies I enjoy. Hocus Pocus is going to be on somewhere. Yeah, I I I just enjoy the whole month of just kind of. Mm general spookiness yeah. my favorite like joke i do every halloween every october is if i ever walk past a pumpkin i scream properly like it's the most terrifying thing i've ever seen this is why we're, like, fr- this, is why we're friends. this is why we're friends <laughs> uh, but yeah i i have a black cat so i can just wander around my house feeling my witchy yes. self and uh i will watch practical magic because it's my favorite probably my favorite piece of media about witches so mm. I'm intending to watch Over the Garden Wall again. Nice. Um, Kansas asked, what's your favourite meme at the moment? You are much more in touch with memes than I am. <laughs> uh... That does not feel like a compliment. Um, I I mean, there's... Okay, so there's one which I don't find particularly amusing, which is about moths and lamps. Right. Um, it's just like the... It's describing memes is never very no. enjoyable, <laughs> but uh, it's to do with just moths loving lamps, and uh, that's basically the the it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the funniest variation I saw of it was um, <laughs> some screenshots from Aladdin, mm-hmm. and the like old man Jafar has a has the moth's face going, "Give me the lamp." <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I dig that. Which I enjoyed. But uh, that's just one I've seen. I think Peach Chat counts as a meme. Mm, I've decided not. I've decided not to actually contribute because I'm a bit too busy, and also, I think people have had enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I'm enjoying. There's this sort of issue going on. I think it's Article 13 hit that's happening here in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a move to use like um, royalty free images for like the yes and no or good and negative thing. Mm. So I'm enjoying seeing like royalty free images of like the guy and the girl and the looking at the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm seeing sort of like versions of that, which are making me happy. Um, but I am still not tired of that's my wife gags with John Mulaney. <laughs> Quite frankly, <laughs> my wife is a bitch and I like her so much. Watch Kid Gorgeous, it's funny. 
<laughs> but yeah, I'm always a little bit behind on on <laughs> memes because I'm old. So so <laughs> that memes get to you slower because you're old. That's what that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Um, but no, I just I like visual stuff. I still find like then perish ridiculously funny <laughs> so like i mean the 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 memes that i i get a lot of there's like subcategory of memes if you're in a, like a fandom or something yeah um i'm seeing a, i like a let's go lesbians yes i have um, i have not to, i've not yet seen a let's go lesbians meme i haven't liked um a lot of it to do with just jody in general mm-hmm. uh coming to who um i get a lot there's a lot of memes that uh, exists solely in like the Smash Brothers community. All right. Um, because the new one's like two months away, so there's a lot of like p- jokes about fake leaks and things like that. And like, yeah, I'm enjoying so all so the getting... stuff about how nobody's going to kill Isabel. I have to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's impossible. She's yeah. god tier. Yeah. Um, and yeah, blah 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 blah. So, oh man, I can't believe we did an episode and we didn't talk about Captain Marvel. Um, because right, we'll we'll dedicate some time to, to to yeah to talk about Captain Marvel because that trailer is badass. Um, Next episode, will uh, the theme is um, blonde women who can beat me up um, <laughs> with Doctor Who and Captain Marvel and. Uh, I don't know. Maybe no, no. Seriously, maybe our next one will be about um, uh, lady characters that we love. Yeah, that sounds nice. Um, if you'd like to send in a question for that episode um, about that theme or about anything else that you'd like us to order, uh, order, answer. There we go. Uh, <laughs> we've got our email, included at Gmail. Uh, we're included on Twitter, on Tumblr, and the aforementioned Facebook group, included. It's private. It's for the lovely folks. It's not necessarily the busiest group in the world but there are folks there and we are still debating about whether or not to have a discord server if that is something that would be interesting or interested if people would be interested Mm. please let me know it's something i am more than happy to set up but it's not something i'm going to do unless people let me know that they would be interested yes uh you can contact us directly i'm at hamish steel and i'm at jdoxwoodrose on Twitter. And uh, finally, as always, we'd like to thank Graham Waller, Graham Waller, audio overlord and master of the soundways for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. But until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anyone box you in.